This morning's scripture reading is various selections from the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when, he, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of a greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead for, to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the, God, the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This morning, we're in uh, part two of this two-week series we do every year at the end of the year on giving, on financial giving. We do this in advance of the year-end offering. So next Sunday, we're going to all fill out a, a pledge card saying this is how much uh, I am going to give or we are going to give as a family in 2018. And uh, before that, we talk about for two weeks why I give, what the point of giving is, and also how much to give. And this morning, in week two, I want to focus on that second question, the question of how much to give. So uh, if, you're, if you're new to the church within all, the last year, and even more so if you missed last week, uh, this 
sermon this morning does not stand alone. Like, it, can, it can't stand on its own two legs. Um, and we're going to be talking about specifics. We're going to be talking about numbers. I'm going to try to make this as clear and practical as possible. But a lot of the theological framework and, and scriptural framework behind it is kind of missing. That's because we've talked about it in prior sermons. So what I'd ask is that you go back and listen to some of those from uh, prior years or even just last week. They're all on the, on the website. But in the interest of time this morning, I wanted to just dispense with all of that and talk really specifically about uh, how much, how much you should give. And um, if you're feeling like, well, where is he getting this? You know, you got to go back and, and listen to some of that other stuff. And the reason I want to spell it out so clearly is because this is the question I get the most from people. You know, this question of how much to give, how do I figure out how much to give. And I realized this week it's actually uh, extremely straightforward. And the, the confusion is probably just because I haven't been willing to, to spell it out, especially for uh, significant portions of the congregation. So I was thinking about it this week. Uh, there are four groups of people here this morning. And for three of the four groups here, I can actually tell you exactly how much to give. Like, you don't even have to think about it. I mean, you have to think about whether to do it or not. But the, the answer, there's no ambiguity in the answer for three or four groups. And then for the fourth group, there is, you know, I, there's, there is a fourth group of people here today that I don't know how much you should give. Uh, and so what I want to do is just go through those four groups this morning. Uh, we'll spend less time on the first three groups because the answer is more straightforward or just kind of uh, tell you what it is. Also, it's more review-ish. You know, it's stuff we talked about last week for the first three groups. And then uh, spend some significant time with the fourth group, the group that I don't know how much you should give, and just kind of give you some, some ways to think about it. So, uh, who are these four groups and how much should you give? Group number one, the first group of people that's here this morning, and again, some of this is review. The first group of you here this morning is those of you who you're uh, either new to the church or you're new to Christianity, one or the other. So, you're, you're still... Maybe you're a long-time committed Christian, but you're, you're just checking out LMCC, or maybe uh, you're, you don't even know what you believe. You don't even know if you consider yourself Christian or not. If that's you, if either of those is you, then it, I can tell you exactly how much you should give, and you should give exactly zero. And then this, this offering next week, when we pledge, you should give nothing, you should pledge nothing. And we say this every week, but I, you know, I, I get, this message is basically about like saying things that I've been saying. And I'm like, no, really, I really mean this. Like, I, re- I just don't want anybody to misunderstand this year. So if you're not sure what you believe or if you're not a committed member of the church, it's not that we're saying, oh, you don't need to give. It's I'm saying you, you shouldn't give. I'm asking you not to give. We say it every week during the welcome. And this is why we don't pass a plate, you know, during the service. Some churches do that. They, they pass a plate. The reason we don't do that is because people inevitably misunderstand and think they're supposed to, like, uh, you know, chip in for the show, essentially. Well, the show is free, and it kind of should be free. It's not even that good of a show. I mean, I don't, you don't have to pay for the show. So we don't pass a plate because we don't want anybody to misunderstand. So that's the first group of you, those of you who aren't committed to this church or you're not committed to to God even, you're not even a Christian, and you should give exactly zero. There's a second group. Uh, The second group of you, and this is the group that I talked to last week, so again, this is review, 
but just to double clarify, did he really mean that? Yes, I really meant that. The second group of you is those of you who uh, you've never given 10% before, the first 10% of your income. So you're not in group one. You, you are a committed Christian. You are a committed part of this church. But in, in prior years, you've never given 10% before. And, you know, last week I said 10% is, is kind of the, the big standard, the, the minimum. And I said give 10% or give nothing. And you're not willing to do that. You're not willing to give 10% this year. So for you, I can tell you exactly how much you should give. You should give exactly zero. You really, really should. You should give nothing. And the, the rationale, we talked about this last week, you know, but the, just to go into it a little bit more in depth, the rationale is what we're talking about at this church is giving out of faith to God. Not giving to the church, but giving out of faith to God. And it's a specific motive where you're essentially, what you're doing when you give with this particular motive, this, this faith motive, is you're betting on God. That's what you saw in that long passage from Hebrews 11 that you heard read before the sermon, this, this passage that gives example after example of what is faith. Widely misunderstood today, faith is not believing in God. James says, you know, oh, you believe in God, great, so does the devil. So that puts you on par with him. So it's, it's not believing in God, and it's not just like a general catch-all term for your religious life, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. No. Faith is taking an action. It's always an action. And it's, it's betting on God. It's believing that he's going to reward you in some way. You, you saw that in the passage. It says faith is, is not only believing that God exists, but that he rewards those who seek him. And to bet on God, there is a minimum bet. And the minimum bet is 10%. And it's like if you're playing poker, you can't say, well, can I you know, bet half a chip? No, you're just not playing. You're not in the game. If you want to bet, there's a minimum bet. There's a threshold. And below that, it's just something else altogether that, that's not really what we're talking about here. There is another type of giving, obviously, called charitable giving. And everybody does this regardless of your, uh, whether you have faith or not, regardless of whether you're religious or not. Americans, on average, give 3% of their income away every year. Why? Out of charity, to charities, because they are being charitable if you look up uh, charitable in the dictionary, it says, you know, the wanting to help others, the, the uh, synonyms are altruistic, benevolent, humanitarian, philanthropic. Well, I have n- nothing against charitable giving. I also have very little interest in it. I just don't care about it, and we don't care about it at this church. It's not something we've ever talked about or ever will talk about at this church before. So what we said last week is if you want to give out of charity, if you want to give 3, 4, 5% of your income, that's fine, but don't give it to God. You say, well, I, I like this church. I want to financially support this church. Well, don't take this the wrong way, but we don't need your financial support. We just don't. God provides for this church. He provides for it through people giving to him out of faith. So if you if you really just want to give back and help somebody, do it somewhere else besides at this church. What I realized is this offering we take in the past, because I've failed to be clear about this point, it might have been a mix of, of faith-based offerings and, and charitable offerings. And I just let's just get rid of the charity. No charity this year. I want the offering to be pure. I want it to be only those who are, are giving out of faith. And the minimum bet 
to give in faith is the first 10%. That second group, again, talked about that already last week, but just wanted to really clarify. Those of you who are committed to this church or are committed Christians, but you're not willing to give 10%, you also should give exactly zero. That's the first two. The, the third group is those of you who have never given before, at least you've never given 10% before, um, but you're ready to give 10% for the first time this year. And for you, too, I can tell you exactly how much to give, which is exactly 10%. You don't have to give more than that. You know, start at the minimum. This is something that you, you grow over time, so there's no reason to start at 11% or 12%. There's plenty of time to grow, and I don't want you to make a commitment that then is too big and you, you don't make it on. So if you've never done this before, if you've never given before, and, and for our purposes, if you haven't given 10% before, you haven't given at all before. You haven't been in the game. If you've never been in the game before and you want to get in the game, then uh, give exactly 10%. Pledge something that's equivalent to, to what you think is going to be 10% of your income next year. And then make good on it. And I am just so excited for this group of people. You know, those of you that are ready to do this, you're, I'm envious of you in a lot of ways. One, because you, it's so easy for you to figure out how much to give. And two, because there's kind of like this beginner's luck aspect to this where... When you first start, like, it's just so good. You grow so fast. God blesses you so much to let you know that you're on the right track and your faith is going to change and your relationship with money is going to change in ways that you never thought was possible just by taking this step. It's, it's really kind of like the on switch for your faith. You know, uh, you've all given so extravagantly over the years in this offering and because LMCC then in turn uh, gives so much of that money away, this church has developed a reputation for, you know, giving so much money away and being so generous. And so other, other pastors will say, you know, like, man, your people are so generous. You know, like, that's just so amazing. I wish, I wish the people at our church were, were that generous. And it's always bugged me. And I realize this year why it bugs me. And the reason it bugs me is, is that, that word generous. Like, like it's this little subset. Like it's a virtue. Like generosity. Like it's a nice little, you know, of the, the, the pie chart of the Christian life. There's this little sliver generosity. And you can develop that virtue. And, you know, the people at our church, maybe they haven't developed that virtue yet. And it's, it's not about generosity. It's about faith. It's about do you believe or do you not believe? And so what I want to say to these guys is you don't have a generosity problem at your church. They just don't believe. They flat out don't believe. And if you've never given 10% before, that's the position that you're in. You, you might have said you believed, but faith is an action. And once you put your faith into action, it's not like just this little area of your life is all of a sudden going to get better. It's going to change Everything, because you are for the first time obeying. You are really obeying God just the way those, those heroes of the faith did in Hebrews 11. You're betting on God, and you're giving him the opportunity to show himself strong on your behalf. That's the third group. And I don't have any idea. You know, we've gone through three out of four groups. I don't have any idea how many people I've talked to already and how many people I haven't. You know, I've said many times that I never look at the... Uh, giving data of the church. I don't know who gives. I don't know how much anybody gives. Even if I did know who gave and how much they gave, I still wouldn't know the percentages. So, you know, and it wouldn't even matter. So, but there's a group of you left. I know there just logically has to be a group of you left. 
And that's those of you who you have done this before. So the fourth group is those of you who have given at least 10% at least one year before. Now, there's a very wide spectrum in this fourth group. It could be, you know, you could be in this fourth group and you've given 30% for 30 years. So, you know, it's a, a wide range, but to, to qualify for this fourth group, you have given at least 10% at least one year in the past. And this is the only group here this morning that I don't know how much you should give. I can't tell you how much to give. The other three groups, I can tell you definitively. But for this fourth group, I, I don't know. And so what I want to do with the time we have left is just kind of give you some uh, pointers, essentially, give you some ways to think about it. And obviously, I've, I've reserved most of our time to talk to this last group. So one thing we've said in the past is you might want to think about upping it a little bit every year, you know, growing in your giving. So if you give 10% one year or maybe two years, then the third year you think about giving 11%. Upping it, you know, 1% a year is one way you could do it. And I think that's an amazing way to go. So um, I'm going to talk about something else this year. But before I do, I just want to say if you want to do it that way, you know, more power to you. I think that's a really good way to grow in faith and grow in giving because what you can do is so you start out giving 10%. Well, 40 years later, you could be given 50%. You'd be given half your income away every year just by growing gradually like that every year. And that's, that's a really amazing milestone to get to, to where you're giving away $1 back to God for every dollar you're, you're keeping for taxes or savings or groceries or whatever else. So uh, the 1% gradual growth path is a great path. I want to throw out another path, another idea this year, which is an, uh, essentially another way to get to giving away 50% of your income. The other way you can do it is, instead of growing 1% every year, you could just give away 50% next year. You could just say, well, yeah, I'm not that patient. I'm just going to give away 50% next year. And, you know, for those of you in the first three groups, you should be happy to be in the first three groups right now. You know, you should just sit back and relax and snicker at the people who are left. But for those of you who are in this last group, you know, this is not a, again, I'm not saying this is what you should do, like I am to the first three groups. I don't have a definitive answer. I'm just throwing it out there. And 50% isn't a magic number. You know, so 10% is. 10% is a magic number. It's in the Bible dozens and dozens of times. It's been time-tested for 4,000 years. 50% is a random number. Um, it's, it's a cool number because it's half, you know, so it's a milestone. But it's not like a God-ordained number. And it's really not even about 50%. What it's about is doing something crazy, you know, and whatever crazy feels like for you. So maybe you've been given 10%, and it would be absolutely crazy to double that and give 20. You know, or maybe it's not about the percentage of your income. Maybe it's you, uh, you know, had all these years where you weren't giving 10%. And so you go back and add all that up and give that as a lump sum, which would be a pretty radical gift depending on how long you weren't doing that for. Or maybe it's about you sell some asset, you sell some piece of real estate, give the whole amount. Or, you know, you zero out some account, you give some entire savings account or some entire investment account. It, I don't know what it is. It, and that's what I'm saying. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you what the number is. I can't tell you what the percentage is. I just throw 50% out there as a way to get you kind of thinking about these alternative possibilities. 
And you say, well, why would I want to do that? You know, what, what is the upside for me in doing that? And that is the exact right question. That's the exact question you should be asking. That's the question that all of the heroes of the faith ask. What's the upside for me? What's in it for me? And the answer is, it's just betting. When you bet, it, you, you get a return based on what you bet. You're betting on God. And whatever, it's, it's this proportionality principle is talked about again and again and again in Scripture where the reward is in proportion to the risk. So if you've seen him faithful with 10%, if you've seen him faithful with 11% or 12%, and your life is better because of that, then, then it's time to say, well, how, how much faith do I really have here? You know, how, how far am I willing to push this? And by doing something crazy, you can actually, and I really don't feel like I'm overstating this when I say this, you can set yourself on like a completely different life trajectory just by giving an insane, stupid amount of money. So I want to tell you what that looked like for, uh, for Brittany and me 11 years ago now. And uh, if, if I seem annoyed this morning, it's because I am. I'm really annoyed about having to tell this story. I wrote three other sermons this week, had them all open, even this morning in my, you know, word processor tabs, kept going back to them. I think I'm going to preach that one. And I kept feeling pulled back to, to tell this story. I don't want to tell it. I don't want to tell it because uh, I, I, it's just private. You know, I don't want to put it out there. I don't want to be criticized and judged for it. I also don't want to be praised for it. You know, uh, Jesus talks about don't tell anybody how much you give because if you do, then I'll give you a pat on the back and then you get your reward from them instead of from me. So don't pat me on the back. You know, whatever you do. <laughs> It's just, I don't, just don't talk to me about this, basically. <laughs> just don't bring it up. Um, you can talk to me about anything else in the giving sermons, anything from the Bible. Don't talk to me about this story. I don't want to talk to you about it. But I feel like I'm supposed to tell it. So 11 years ago, Brittany and I had just gotten married. This is September of 2006. And our church was doing an a offering just like the one we're going to do next week. The only difference was uh, it was an 18-month commitment instead of a... 12-month commitment. So same thing, you turned in pledge cards, and you pledged how much you were going to give over the, the next 18 months. So we were both making $35,000 a year, so $70,000 total. Uh, and so over 18 months, we were planning to make about $100,000, and so we pledged half of that. We pledged to give $50,000 to this uh, offering over the next 18 months. And, you know, by the way, we've talked about, the, I've mentioned this aspect of the story before without talking about the amount. It was for this building that I didn't care about. I didn't think it should be built. I wasn't giving the money to the church. I was giving the money to God. You say, well, why give the money to the, this building you don't care about? You could have given that money to the poor. Well, that line actually appears in the Bible. It was spoken by Judas Iscariot. He says, you could have given that money to the poor when this woman pours this expensive offering on Jesus' feet. It's extravagant. It's wasteful. It just, you're giving it to God because there's more where that came from. It's not about the difference the money makes. It's not about what the money accomplishes. It's about giving it to him, pouring it out at his feet. So that's what we wanted to do. And we calculated that we could get by, you know, with the, so with the 50000 or so that was left over those 18 months, uh, we, we thought we could make it. 
what happened was I lost my job three months into the commitment. And uh, so if you divide 50000 by 18, that's $2,777 a month, a number I will never forget. And so we said we're going to send that check in every month no matter what. So the month I lost my job, we sent in the check for 2777 and I'm not going to go into all the details of those 18 months, but just to, to make a, a long story a little bit shorter, uh, it wasn't a good 18 months financially, such that we finished the commitment. We, over 18 months, we sent in $2,777 a month every month. We got to 50000 18 months later in April of 2008, and we had nothing left. We, we had sold both of our cars we had zeroed out our savings. We had nothing left. We were completely broke, but we finished. And we both felt like, why did we do that? Like, what, what was the point of that? We now have zero in our bank account. We could have 50000 You know, what, what did we do that for? We, we got no blessing. Nothing happened. Uh, when we sent in that, that last check, it was like, you know, we just limped to the, the finish line, essentially. And in the 11 years since, three things have happened. So I want to tell you what the three things are. Uh, the first thing that happened was in the month that we finished. The month that we finished, the, and the month we sent in the last check. It might have been the week we sent in the last check. Honestly, I, I would have to go back and look. But what happened was I got a letter in the mail. And uh, at the beginning, the very beginning of the giving commitment, in November, in the month, first month, I had applied to the University of Virginia School of Law, which is a top 10 law school. I was not a top 10 applicant. And it's the only law school I applied to. And it was supposed to be this kind of like uh, test, like, God, if you want me to go to law school, let me get in. So six months into the giving commitment, I got rejected, as you would expect. And I decided, after I got rejected, I decided the application's already complete. Everything's already done. I'm just going to send it in again. Now, they don't encourage you to do this. It's not like when they, when they reject you, they're like, well, try again next year. Like the, the median GPA doesn't change from year to year. But I said, it's not going to, all I have to do is just, you know, press send again. It's, so it's probably a waste of $75, but I'll just reapply. Got rejected the first time, just reapply. In April of the year that we finished the giving commitment, the year we, we gave the $50,000, uh, finished giving it. I get a letter from UVA. I had basically forgotten that I had reapplied, and I expect it's going to be another rejection letter. I open it up, and they say, you know, we're pleased to accept you, and because you're in the top tier of applicants, we'd like to offer you a scholarship of $50,000, which was probably a mistake. Like, honestly, it was probably a mistake on their part. But it wasn't a mistake on God's part. And so we went to UVA. That's the first thing. Uh, fast forward to February of that year at University of Virginia. February of my 1L year. And on February 20th of that year, just random Friday morning, woke up early. Brittany was still asleep. The house was quiet. Opened up my email. And I had two and only two emails. Inbox was empty except for these two emails, and they were both from people that I hadn't uh, talked to in a long time, very rarely emailed with, almost never. The first email was from the guy that founded this church, the founding pastor of this church, 
and he had been pastoring the church for about eight years at that point. And the email said, hey, uh, this church is having a hard time. I can't pay my salary anymore, so we're going to have to shut the doors unless would you ever consider coming and, and pastoring the church? Never been a pastor before. I had never had a single conversation with this guy about pastoring this church, ever. Completely out of the blue. But my thoughts were, well, A, how am I going to provide you know, for our family? Brittany was pregnant with our first daughter at the time. And then B, God clearly led us to University of Virginia with this $50,000 scholarship. Like, this is clearly where he wanted us to come. It was a sign. So those were the, the two thoughts I had. But at the same time, I've, I felt immediately when I read it, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. There's something here. And that's when I opened the second email. And the second email was from a relative who said, hey, uh, we've been doing our estate planning early, and you know, we decided we want to do something unconventional. Instead of giving family members money when we die, we want to give it to them now when they can probably use it more. So we're going to be sending you a check for $50,000. And if you don't think those two emails are connected, and if you don't think they're connected to our original giving commitment, then I guess my question is, what would it take? You know, like what <laughs> might your bar just be a little bit too high? And so we came. We came to the church, and uh, you know, we gave. With the, the first few years, the way we made it to the churches, uh, transferred to NYU, which I had no business getting into NYU law either, based on my first year grades. You think I was worried about it? You think I was worried about getting in at that point? Transferred, got in, even though it's a better school. And uh, we lived off of the student loans because the church couldn't, couldn't pay the salary. And gave that 50000 that we had inherited over to the church over the next, you know, however many years, four or five years. So fast forward, the third thing is fast forward to uh, 2015. This offering in 2015, we're out of money. The, the 50000 was gone. Uh, everything was gone. We were broke again and came to this offering two years ago and we had to pledge and we did again, not knowing where the money would come from. And the next month in January of 2016, I got a call from a literary agent. And just to give you the backstory on this, I had a friend in college whose dad was in publishing and this friend's dad for 10 years since I've been in college without me knowing it had been pitching me as a potential author to these literary agents. I'd never asked him to do this. We hadn't talked about it over the last 10 years. And so like a year before this, one of them out of, I don't know how many he had pitched me to finally took the bait and, and contacted me and said, do you have any book ideas? And I said, no. And he said, well, you know, come up with something. So I came up with an idea. He's like, that'll work. Write two sample chapters. So I wrote two sample chapters. Uh, and he's like, all right, I'll go shop this around. And again, I had basically forgotten about it because it, it felt like such a long shot. He calls me in January of 2016 and says, yeah, I don't really understand this. This, this doesn't make sense for a first-time author. This doesn't make sense for uh, somebody with no platform. But this publishing house wants to, to buy the book, and the advance they're offering is $50,000. <laughs> so here's, the, here's, the, here's how it works. 
And, you know, it's for those who can receive it. It's for those who can believe it. But basically what I'm, what I'm saying is you can, you can go on this totally different path. And I kind of feel like it's just like cheating at life, essentially. Because there was an, there's another way to do all the things that I've done. You know, there's, there was another way to get into UVA and NYU, which was to work your butt off. There's another way to get a, a big publishing contract, and that's to write a really good book. You know, or to network, or to try really hard. And the best blessing of all, by far, is this church. You know, having this job that I love, and this city that I love, having a great apartment in a great neighborhood. There's another way to do that. You can, you can start a church, or you can start your own company, or whatever else. Or you can work really hard at, a, at, you know, wherever. So there's an alternate path. But if you're really lazy, like I am... There's, there's also this other way that nobody talks about, which is you just say to God, why don't I just give you all my money, and then I'll let you take care of it. I'll let you take care of the rest. And I feel like I'm living this life that I don't deserve and haven't worked for just because I, I, I do that. That's it. I feel like I've basically done three things right in my life, period, up to this point. The first was Mary Brittany. The second was decide not to use birth control, which is, you know, controversial, but um, I'm happy about it. And then the third thing, out of only three, out of only three things I've done right in my whole life, was for us to just decide that first year of our marriage, we're just going to give away $50,000. And basically every good thing over the last 11 years, I can trace back to that. Just being willing to take that risk. And what you get is you get to be in this game. You know, people have criticized. I've always talked about how God will provide for you. God will give back money to you. People have criticized that in the past as like, what is this about, like, getting rich? Well, no, it's not about getting rich. You know, if you add it all up, we're still not even net positive on actual cash for what we've given versus what we've given back. So God giving back to you isn't about having money. It's about having God. It's about knowing that he's real. It's about knowing that he can do stuff in your life. It's about having real faith, not faith about like, oh, yes, I can say the creed, but where God is a character in your life story, where like the the characters of Hebrews 11, you're betting on him. You're investing in him. And seeing that pay off, seeing him do stuff for you. And that's why I love this topic so much. That's why I'm so passionate about it is because of my own experience with it. And because I just can't think of any other area where it's so easy. You know, it's hard, but it's easy. It's simple. And you just signal to God. What you do basically when you give a, a crazy, stupid amount of money is you're putting up the flag and you're saying to God, we're, we're in for whatever you have for us. There's that verse in Chronicles where it says, The Lord searches to and fro the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And if you just give, if you give a gift like this, you're saying to God, that's us. We're in. We're, we're fully committed. And God is just waiting. He's just looking. He's just jumping at the chance to show himself strong on your behalf. Let's pray. God, we have so little faith. 
we say we believe, but then we just don't. We just won't risk anything. And what I ask you to do this morning is come and draw us. Come and, and pull us toward you. I ask that you'd speak into our hearts and remind us of what you're capable of. Remind us of what you're able to do. So much more than we could ever ask. So much more than we could ever imagine. And I pray that you would give us the courage to take a risk. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.